No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into His Hardline. Welcome. Glad to have you all here. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. This is the only place where you're going to get God and Jesus Christ mixed in with a little true history of America, mixed in with instructions on how to assemble your nation we're here to implement solutions that will help restore this republic but most importantly we're also here to help america and the rest of the world to invite jesus christ into their heart it's time to take back our nation it's time to take back our world ladies and gentlemen and you can find us here six out of the seven days a week so be sure to share this with your friends and family don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agent. of government. Sovereignty itself remains with the people, by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. Welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get rocking. Rockin'. Rockin'. All right. All right. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. If it's that time of the day on your side of the world, I am Jason, your co-host, which only means one thing: God is the host of this show. God and Jesus Christ, of course. 
They are the ones that are in the captain's chair. They are the ones in charge. They're the boss, the CEO. They're behind the wheel, and therefore they're steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line. This is episode 421. Today we're going to be doing a reading out of Isaiah chapter 55, and we will be talking about a continued conversation from yesterday, but instead we'll be kind of venturing on the uh, topic of the U.S. bankruptcy of 1933 and kind of what happened then and kind of what we're seeing today and how the two kind of correlate with one another. Sorry for the intro. Um, I promise you that was not user error. Um, as you know, that I have been having issues with broadcasting here. And uh, it's been quite a challenge, but you know what? It's a ch- I welcome. I don't care if it's a hacker. I don't care if it's something beyond human capabilities. One way or another, we're going to press forward because it has been brought to my knowledge and attention that, you know, um, there's a very large group of people out there that want no longer. There's a very large group of people out there. I'm going to lower the volume on this in case this happens again. There's a very large group of people out there that really want the National Assembly to fail. There's a very large group of people that want me to fail. They want various people uh, to fail. And, um, you know, clearly we're seeing that with the constant interruptions on this show. You know, I'll go for quite some time and not have one single freaking thing go wrong on this show. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm having issues. It's either I can't keep a song going or intro track going or it'll turn on automatically or turn off, as you can already kind of tell in the first five you know, minutes of this show. I've had this dang, you know, intro shut off four, three or four different times now. And now it's wanting to turn back on. So I need your prayers. It's not just me, um, but the, you know, the, the, the progress of restoring this republic, the assembly as a whole, this nation needs your prayers as well. So, like I said, we definitely, definitely need the prayers because this is the only way that we're going to be able to get our freedom and our sovereignty is by getting our assembly of people. So, so going to do before we get into the conversation because we're already 10 minutes behind because of technology issues or whatever the heck's going on we're going to get right into the reading so again we're going to be reading isaiah chapter 55 and i am reading out of the new american standard bible today let me just kind of refresh one particular window here i was kind of distracted getting a couple things um uploaded here and i completely forgot to bring up my chapter verse here. So forgive me, but you know what? It's okay. It's kind of part of the process here. So, okay. And it reads, let's see how many verses we got here. Very short chapter, only 13 verses. Make sure my other window is coming up. All right. There we go. Okay. And it reads again, Isaiah chapter 55, you there, everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat, come Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. According to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which does not know you will run to. You you will run to you. It's kind of worded weird. Sorry about that, guys. That's exactly how it's worded. 
and a nation which does not know you will run to you. Oh, there we go. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and make it produce and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose for which I sent it, for you will go out with joy and be led in peace. The mountains and the hills will break into shouts of joy before all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the juniper will come up, and instead of stinging, instead of the stinging nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord, an everlasting sign which will not be eliminated. And that is the very short chapter of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 13. All right, so. <clears throat> talking about grace and justice here. Now, again, I feel like I got to put this out every so often. Remember, I, your co-host, am just a truck driver, and I'm not trying to diminish the trucking industry. I actually enjoy what I do. Some days it's a little monotonous and crazy, but just remember, as you're hearing this podcast, I am not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm not a you know priest. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm none of that. I'm just a guy who reads my Bible on a daily basis. I'm trying to make heads or tails of it. I try to make sense of it. But remember, I am just the man who's just trying to figure it out just like you. Okay? And um, remember, I'm also not the spokesman. I'm not the head guy in charge, clearly, uh, for the National Assembly. Really, there's nobody that's in charge of the assembly. We have, a, you know, you have your appointments, you have your elected offices and, and positions, right? But by and large, the assembly is a congregation of people, we the people. So um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's all about pretty much having that lawful process in order to return the republic. So again, just putting that out there. So now back to this reading. So we were talking about grace and justice. Now, in today's scripture, God, God said that we are to seek him while we may be found, implying that we will not always be able to find him. And God's justice demands that, that, ah, oh, there it is again. Stupid, stupid, stupid audio. I tell you. All right, there we go. And God's justice demands that he give every person an opportunity to be saved. That is, since entrance into heaven is gained by acceptance of Jesus as a sacrifice for your sins, and it would be unfair of him to deny entrance to you if you have never been told about Jesus. Now, boy, this is going to be a little distracting, isn't it? My oh my. All right. Now, <clears throat> such is why in some form or fashion God has revealed to every soul the need for a Savior, and he gives us a conscience to tell us the difference between right and wrong so that, you know, we can know that we 
have all committed wrong. And he gives us a small measure of faith so that we are able to believe that he exists. And then through the Holy Spirit sends conviction at some point to the soul to make the person turn to God. Now, having perfect wisdom, he knows exactly when is the best time to knock on your heart, if you will, right? To ask you to give your life over to him. And so again, to satisfy his perfect justice, he approaches you to be saved at the exact moment when you have the best chance of being saved. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a child or an old man or a woman for that matter. You know, if God is calling you to repentance and to accept his son, well, you, I hope you recognize that that's your moment to be saved. And if you reject God, well, is he required to ask you again? I mean, that's a very good question. It's a very, very good question. And so justice actually requires you that, you know, you then pay the price for your decision and the mur murderer deserves death and the thief deserves punishment. And the person who rejects the holy righteous God deserves to be separately eternally from him, separated eternally from him, excuse me. But thankfully God doesn't do that. And so just as we extend grace to prisoners, or at least we should, and give them a second chance to change, God gives us that same grace and space to repent. None of us are perfect. Obviously, we all know that. I think we're all humble enough, and I think we are able to step outside ourselves enough to actually know and see that, right? And, and grace means to give better than what is deserved. Especially in regards to salvation, that means that God will continue to ask us to come to him for forgiveness of our sins and but the thing is, is that when we reject him, you know, we're not instantly thrown into hell, even though we may or may not deserve it. But instead, you know, he pleads with us to be saved. He continues to work with us. He will ask again and again and again until he sees in his perfect wisdom that we will never accept him. But unless he sees a path forward, he's going to keep pursuing us. He's going to keep chasing us. And so if God calls me to repentance, can I just brush him aside for later? I mean, after all, he is faithful and, and a just God, right? And just to, you know, and, and very forgiving, right? Especially if we confess our sins. I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm no scholar, but if I had to take a guess, I don't think that's how that works. So how do you know that, you know, the one time that he comes to you wouldn't be your last chance to be saved. I mean, like how, how do we really know that? Right? Like, how do we know if that's the last time he's going to come visit us and, and, and really, you know, give us that one last shot to, to draw to him. Like, you know, how do you, how do you know that God will not withdraw himself from you so that you cannot find later? I mean, we don't know. That's just it. And this is exactly why, even though God's grace may give you another chance to be saved over and over again throughout your life, I hope and pray that you accept and, and recognize and accept that invitation because he may never ask again. Starting to get very annoying. <laughs> I'm telling you. So again, for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of skip the verse by verse commentary here. Because, like I said, we had a delayed start. But the important part is at least getting the scripture read right here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what. I'm just going to sit here and stare at my screen until it stops, I tell you.
stupid, stupid computer, I tell you. See, it, that's something else. That is not me. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to delete. I'm going to take this out for a second. Yeah, I deleted that one piece that just kept playing. Well, I'm very interested to see if a different audio starts playing by itself. I'm, I'm, so I just deleted it because it was the intro that just kept playing and playing and pushing and play. So I'm very interested to see if anything else starts playing. So anyway, we're going to skip doing the whole, you know, break and all that other stuff and, you know, break music and all that other good stuff. Because again, time. All right. Got limited time. So, but what I am going to play, which is kind of interesting, this is completely unrelated to the topic, but I just feel like it needs to be mentioned because it's just, it just goes to show you the, the lunacy here. So I'm sure you all remember famous Aretha, uh, Aretha Franklin, right? You know, the woman, the, the, the artist that, you know, she's the queen of soul, right? The one that has that song, you make me feel like a natural woman. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like this, this song, right? make me feel like a natural woman come on back so apparently there is this one alleged activist group out in norway that's calling for aretha franklin's you know 1968 hit song you make me feel like a natural woman to be removed from both apple music and spotify after they deemed its lyrics offensive now this is you know this was an article from the new york post the transcultural mindful this alliance took to Twitter last week to condemn to condemn the ballot, citing that it has ignited harm against transgender women. Oh, you mean soy boys? <laughs> I'm telling you. Aretha Franklin's 1968 song "Natural Woman" perpetuates multiple harmful anti-trans stereotypes, and that was what, a quote from the organization's tweet. And they continued to tweet saying, "There is no such thing as a natural woman." Did you know that, guys? Did you know there's no such thing as a natural woman? Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> there's no such thing as a natural woman. Oh, my Lord. Um, it continues to say that the message continues uh, on, on the tweet saying, the song has helped inspired acts of harm against transgender women. TCMA is requesting it to be removed from Spotify and Apple Music, end quote. Okay, first off, who cares what people in Norway say about our you know, pop culture? Now, granted, I am not a huge fan of our pop culture. Now, granted, the other thing I'll also say that is, you know, music used to be good back in the day. Now the crap that we're hearing today is just garbage. But here's the thing. Forget what other people think overseas and what, you know, a certain song. I mean, what's, what's the other song that they wanted banned during uh, Christmas time? What is it? The, oh, Baby, It's Cold Outside. You remember that one? No, yeah, that is a little bit provocative, but it just makes you it just makes you want to laugh. It's like, oh, that is that is promoting uh, promiscuous behavior. And, and, and I forgot what they said. I forgot what the whole reason was. Maybe you guys can help me remember. But it was something stupid like, oh, it's 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 so sexist against women. It's like, what? OK. 
But but I guess anything that is natural is bad, 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 right? You know, you have the fake Biden administration out there, the fake administration, as I call it, trying to take away your natural gas stoves, right? You got the loony lefties out there that want to take away your ability to eat steaks because of this natural phenomenon called cow farts. They think it's going to warm up the planet and kill us all by. You know, they want you to eat processed and manufactured crap and forget about natural whole foods that come from the earth. You know, they want us to take their, you know, their poisonous big pharma potions and garbage for illnesses and, and, and basically deem anyone who uses natural homeopathic remedy crazy as you know as a crazy witch doctor and god forbid you happen to go visit a chiropractor which is often you know heavily discredited by mainstream pill pushers most recognized as mds they want you to forget about natural law and thus push for you living however you please forget about morals forget about ethics they push for assisted suicide instead of people dying the old-fashioned way you know of old age you know natural death you see where i'm going at with this whole word natural natural is the boogeyman for these crazies out here if it's natural it's no good for society see if it's not trans processed manufactured fabricated or constructed illegitimately then it doesn't belong in society point blank that's how these people think and i think that you know, more people should listen and sing along to this song a little bit more. Maybe kids in school might start recognizing that it's natural to feel like a man or a woman as you get older. And if that happens to be your biological makeup from birth, you're either a boy or you're a girl. You either got indoor plumbing or you got outdoor plumbing. There's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. These people out here are something else, and they seriously need a heavy amount of Jesus in the most desperate of measures. Seriously. Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. (laughs) Thanks. That's right, little buddy. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm surprised that movie hasn't gotten canceled yet just for that scene. I'm surprised they didn't even, I'm surprised they haven't deleted that scene out yet, to be quite honest with you. I tell you, it's very, very interesting. It is very, very interesting to see what's happening out here. Now, here's something else. So Kirk on Kirk's Law Corner LLC on Telegram posted uh, quite a few hours ago. I thought this was pretty interesting, so I shared it on my page too. But he said, in the last two weeks, the House slash Congress has discussed, one, abolishing the Federal Reserve, two, abolishing the IRS, three, the Speaker of the House created a committee to investigate the origins of COVID-19 and shut down the entire state of emergency relating to the hoax COVID-19 and four to abolish the ATF. He continues to say, are you paying attention to what is going on? I told you this election cycle was the change of the guard. And yes, things haven't manifested quite yet the way we want, but I think we're going to see it soon enough. I think we're going to see it soon enough. 
Um, trying to find something else here. Forgive me. I'm like all over the place. So like I was talking about yesterday, we were talking about the whole fiasco. Boys going- have a penis. Oh, okay. Girls have a vagina. Now that one I did not play on purpose. So we're going to delete that one. See, it goes to show you whatever the last one that's played, it continues to play. Zero Michigan. I see. I know that made you laugh. I bet you it made a lot of people laugh, especially when I wasn't expecting to play. <laughs> it just serves as a reminder that, look, boys are boys and girls are girls. Like, you know, boys have a penis and yeah, girls have a vagina. That's all there is to it. It's called biology. People should open up an old school science book and look it up. <laughs> My Lord, I can't insanity anymore, people. I just, I can't, I can't. Oh my goodness. But yesterday we were about, you know, what's going on with, with, with us bank and with the whole, what, what a bail-in is. We talked about it briefly, what a bail-in is. And so what I wanted to kind of, you know, briefly touch on today is about the, uh, you know, what happened, um, back in 1933. Now, In, in 1993, we're going to just go to that for a second. There's a United States congressional record that um, took, you know, that, that was penned out, that was, you know, recorded on March 17th of 1993. And a speaker by the, uh, the speaker at that time, Senator James uh, Trafficant Jr. from Ohio, he was addressing the House, and this is what he said. He said, Mr. Speaker, we are here now in Chapter 11. Members of Congress are official trustees presiding over the greatest uh, reorganization of any bankrupt entity in in world history, the U.S. government. And we are setting forth, hopefully, a blueprint for our future. There are some who say it is a coroner's report that will lead to our demise. Now, it's an established fact that the U.S. federal government was dissolved by the Emergency Banking Act back in 1933, March 9th of 1933. And President Roosevelt at that time declared being bankrupt and insolvent. Now, HJR 192 in the 73rd Congress in session June 5 of 1933, there is a joint resolution to suspend the gold standard. And maybe you remember that because, you know, owning gold back then at that time was illegal. And so there was a joint resolution to suspend the gold standard and abrogate the gold clause dissolved the sovereign authority of the United States in the official capacities of the United States government offices, officers, and departments, and is further evidence that the United States federal government exists today in only, you know, name only. And so, you know, the receivers of the United States bankruptcy are the, you know, pretty much ultimately the international bankers, the United Nations and the World Bank and the IMF. You know, all United States offices and officials and departments were then now, you know, operating at the time with any de facto status, and they have been ever since, in name only under the emergency war powers. And so with the constitutional Republican form of government at that time, what they, you know, seemed to think was being, you know, was dissolved, the receivers of that bankruptcy had adopted a new form of government of the United States. Now, that new form of government is known as in their words, okay, a democracy, which why do you think, again, I'm going to keep coming back to this. Why do you think FDR wanted field training manual 2000-25 destroyed? Because it showed how to rebuild a nation 
back to a republic from a democracy. See, a democracy is being basically establishing a socialist and communistic order under the you know a new governor for America. Now, this act was instituted and established by transferring or placing the office of the Secretary of Treasury to that of the governor of the IMF. Now, Public Law 94-564, page 8, section HR 13955, reads in part, and I quote, the U.S. Secretary of Treasury receives no compensation for representing the United States, end quote. And so the United States Congressional Record of May 4, 1992, page H2891, Senator and Chairman of the House of Representatives Committee on Banking, Finance, and Urban Affairs, Senator Henry Gonzalez from Texas, was speaking, and he said, in quote, national and international thievery in high places, end quote. We are, and, and uh, sorry, it continues, the quote continues to say, we are bankrupt. We are insolvent on every level in our national life, whether it, is, whether it is corporate, whether it is just plain, you and I out there with the life of debt that we have all piled up, private debt, credit cards, and whatnot, or whether it is government, we are insolvent. How long will it take before that nasty mega truth is conveyed? End quote. Well, then... There is another congressional record in January of 19, 1976, page 240, Marjorie S. Holt of Maryland said the following, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, many of us recently received a letter from the World Affairs Council of Philadelphia inviting members of Congress to participate in the ceremonial signing of the Declaration of Interdependence on January 30 in Congress Hall, adjacent to Independence Hall in Philadelphia, a number of members of Congress have been invited to sign this document, lending their prestige to its theme, but I want the record to show my strong opposition to this declaration. It calls for the surrender of our national sovereignty to the international organizations. It declares that our economy should be regulated by international authorities. It proposes that we enter a new world order that would redistribute the wealth created by the American people. Mr. Speaker, this is an obscenity that defiles our Declaration of Independence signed 200 years ago in Philadelphia. And we fought a great revolution for independence and individual liberty. But now it is proposed that we participate in a world socialist order. Are we a proud and free people or are we a carcass to be picked off by the jackals of the world who want to destroy us? When one cuts through the high-flown rhetoric of this Declaration of Inter- dependence, one finds key phrases that tell the story. For example, it states that the economy of all nations is a seamless web and that no one nation can any longer effectively maintain its processes of production and monetary systems without recognizing the necessity for collaborative regulation by international authorities. How do you like that idea of international authorities controlling our production and our monetary system, Mr. Speaker? How could any American dedicate to our national in independence and freedom tolerate such an idea? America should never subject her fate to decisions by such an assembly unless we long for, for national suicide. Instead, let us have independence and freedom. If we surrender our independence to a new world, we will be betraying our historic ideals of freedom and self-government. 
Freedom and self-government are not outdated. The fathers of our republic fought a revolution for those ideals, which are as valid today as they ever were. Let us not betray freedom by embracing slave masters. Let us not betray self-government with world government. Let us celebrate Jefferson and Madison, not Marx and Lenin. Hmm. That's an end quote, by the way. Sounds like some pretty wise words by Marjorie S. Holt of Maryland back in 1976. See, the dollar is a measure of weight defined by the Coinage Act of 1792 and 1900, which is still in force today. A dollar specifies a certain quantity, 24.8 grains, grains of gold or 371.25 grains of silver. Now in Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition, the dollar, the money unit, employ, employ the United States of the value of, the hundred, of 100 cents or of any combination of coins totaling 100 cents. A coin of the United States, the least in value of those now minted. It is the hundredth part of a dollar. Now, gold and silver were such a powerful money during the founding of the United States of America and that the founding fathers declared that only gold and silver coins can be money in America. And since gold and silver coinage were heavy and inconvenient for a lot of transactions, they were stored in banks and a claim check was issued as a money substitute and people traded their coupons as money or currency. Now, currency is not money, but a money substitute. It's redeemable currency. It's a must promise to pay a dollar equivalent in for money. Now, the Federal Reserve notes that we use today make no such promises. In fact, they are not money at all. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's a Federal Reserve note. It's a debt instrument. It's a debt obligation of the federal United States government. It's not money. But yet people have this confidence that it is. But the federal United States government and the U.S. Congress were not and have never been authorized to, by the Constitution for the United States of America, by the way, not of they have never been authorized by the Constitution for the United States of America to issue currency of any kind, but only lawful money, gold and silver coin. That's it. You see, it's essential that we comprehend the distinction between real money and paper money substitute. You know, you can't get rich by accumulating money substitutes in fact, all you do is just get deeper into debt. Now, we the people no longer have any money. Let's just be real about it. You think those digits on your bank account that you see on your bank app shows you your wealth? Guess again. Most Americans have never been paid any money for a very long time. In fact, perhaps it's not in their, in fact, it's probably not their entire life. This is why we stress to buy some gold and silver, particularly silver since that's probably the most heavily undervalued asset and commodity in the world. Now, are you starting to kind of understand and comprehend why you constantly always feel broke? Do you understand why we are bankrupt as a nation along, you know, why we feel bankrupt personally and as a nation, because that's what we are, really. 
Federal Reserve notes are unsigned checks written on a closed account. Bottom line. You know, the Federal Reserve notes are an inflatable paper system designed to create debt through inflation, devaluation of currency. And, you know, whenever there is an increase of the supply of money substitute in the economy, without a corresponding increase in gold and silver backing, inflation occurs, kind of like what we're seeing today. Inflation is an invisible form of taxation that irresponsible governments, like the one we have right now, inflict on the people of America and its own citizens, two different things, by the way. And so the Federal Reserve Bank, who controls the supply of movement of the Federal Reserve notes, has everybody fooled. They have them conned. They have access to an unlimited supply of notes, paying only for the printed cost of what they need. And these Federal Reserve notes are nothing more than promissory notes for U.S. Treasury securities T-bills, which is basically a promise to pay the debt to the Federal Reserve Bank. You know, basically, there's a fundamental difference between paying and discharging a debt. Now, to pay a debt, you must pay with value or substance, i.e. gold, silver, or you barter for some other commodity, right? Like sugar, salt. You know, with Federal Reserve notes, you can only discharge a debt. You can't pay a debt with a debt currency system. You cannot service a debt with a currency that has no backing in value or substance. No contract in common law is valid unless it involves an exchange of good and valuable consideration. Unpayable debt transfers power and control to the sovereign power structure that has no interest in money, law, equity, or justice because they have no such wealth already. Their lust is for power and control. We need to remember that has nothing to do with money. They just want more power and control. And since the inception of the central banking system, they have controlled the fates of a lot of nations. You see, the Federal Reserve System is based on the canon law and the principles of sovereignty protected in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. In fact, the international bankers used a canon law trust as their model, adding stock and naming it a joint stock trust. And the U.S. Congress had passed a law making it illegal for any legal person, quote, person, to duplicate a joint stock trust in 1873. And so the Federal Reserve Act was legislated post facto to 1870, although post facto laws are strictly forbidden by the Constitution. And yeah, actually, like Destry was just saying right here, well, Patriot Beagle first was saying, Follow Silver as Money Channel on Telegram. I'll have to do that. Destry says the only coin that has any worth is the nickel. Your eggs went up, but your income never raised. Exactly. Mm hmm. See, the Federal Reserve System is a sovereign power structure that's separate. And I shouldn't even say it's a sovereign power structure, but it's definitely a power structure that is separate and distinct from the federal United States government. You know, the federal reserve is a maritime lender and or maritime insurance underwriter to the federal United States operating exclusively under admiralty maritime law. Now the lender or underwriter bears the risk and the maritime law compelling specific performance in paying the interest or premiums are the same. 
Assets of the debtor can also be hypothecated to pledge something as a security without taking possession of it. So as a security by the lender or underwriter. And so the Federal Reserve Act stipulated that the interest on the debt was to be paid in gold. There is no stipulation in the Federal Reserve Act for ever paying the principal. So prior to 1913, most Americans owned clear, alloyal title to property, free and clear of any liens or mortgages until the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, which hypothecated all property within the federal United States to the governors of the Federal Reserve, in which the trustees, also known as stockholders, held legal title. And so the U.S. citizen, also known as a tenant or a franchisee, was registered as a beneficiary of that trust via his or her birth certificate. And so then in 1933, the federal United States hypothecated all the present and future properties, assets, and labor of their subjects. the 14th Amendment U.S. citizen, the Federal Reserve System. Now, in return, the Federal Reserve System agreed to extend the Federal United States Corporation all the credit money substitute it needed. And like any other debtor, the Federal United States government had to assign collateral and security to their creditors as a condition of the loan. And since the Federal United States didn't have any assets, well, guess what? They assigned the private property of their economic slaves. That would be you and I. They used our collateral against the unpayable federal debt. How does that make you feel? And they also pledged the unincorporated federal territories, national parks, forests, birth certificates, and nonprofit organizations as collateral against the federal debt as well. All has already been transferred as payment to the international bankers. Now, unwittingly, America has returned to its pre-American revolution, feudal, you know, its feudal, feudal roots and whereby all lands are held by a sovereign, that's us, and the common people. And we had no rights to hold that alloyal title of property. Now, once again, though, we the people are the tenants. We are the tenants. and sharecroppers renting our own property from a, from a, quote, sovereign in the guise of the Federal Reserve Bank. See, a lot of people don't understand this. Why do you think when you get your house paid off, you don't own it clean and clear? If you don't pay your taxes, they could still swipe it from underneath you. We, the people, have exchanged one master for another. Why, why do not why people see this? I think this is so important that we need to assemble our states. I'm not kidding when I say this. This is literally a matter of freedom for our posterity, for our children and our children's children and, and further future generations going down the road. If we don't write this ship now, we're screwed. And so are our children and, and, and grandchildren and, and, and so on. You know, I have much better things to do with my life than the freaking, you know, want to, you know, deal with this nonsense. But you know what? I don't want to see my daughter be raised in, in, in the same economic slave system that we all were. It's bullshit. And if it doesn't piss you off, it should. 
And it should piss you off enough to get off your ass and start getting after it and start assembling your assembling your counties and start working with it. We got 16 states. All we need is 22 more. We will get all 50 states. But come on, people. We need 30, 31, 32 people in a state, in a room, and we can get either Paul Destry, Roger, or whoever, Joe, not Roger, but Joe. They can help you get your state assembled. See, this has been going on for over 80 plus years without informed knowledge of the American people, without a voice protesting loud enough. And it's easy to grasp why America is fundamentally bankrupt and why don't more people own their properties outright? Why are 90% of Americans' mortgages to the hilt and have little or no assets debts and liabilities have been paid off. Why does it feel like you are working harder and harder and getting less and less, especially in today's society, in today's economic market? I mean, for gosh sake, a do- two dozen eggs is damn near 10 bucks. We are reaping what has been sown and the results of our harvest is a painful bankruptcy and a foreclosure on American property, precious liberties and our way of life. And few of our elected representatives in D.C., or I should say our selected representatives in D.C., have dared to tell the truth. But you know what? I really believe we got some America First people in there. Yes, they might be in the de facto side, but they are America First. And I think they're hopefully kicking ass and taking names. federal United States is bankrupt. We all know that, ladies and gentlemen. Our children will inherit this unpayable debt to this tyranny that's enforcing it and, and, and forcing people to pay it if we don't do something now. I'm not calling for a bloody revolution. Let me make myself clear to anybody that's in the FBI, CIA, or any other alphabet agencies. I'm not calling for any of that. So let me make myself clear on this audio. We are calling for the lawful, peaceful assembly of the people to redress their grievances and to reassemble what has been left vacated back in 1861. Returning back to a Republican form of government that belongs to the people. The people in assembly are very, very peaceful. In fact, we have no, we have absolutely no, what, what's the word I'm looking for? No desire to trespass on the corporation either. We are simply going to get what we need lawfully. And when we get our 38 states, which is three quarters of the 50 states, then we can basically tell the um, contract services administration, you know, your services are no longer needed. Goodbye. It's basically what it boils down to. So, kind of went down a little bit of a long tangent there, but you know, it's it's we got to we got to get this figured out, guys. Otherwise, we're going to be in a world of hurt. We have to get this figured out. You know, back in the 1930s, unemployment rates edged to 25%. And kind of going back to what I was talking about with the U.S. bank customers losing their money, 
you know, back in 1930, in the 1930s, there were numerous depositors that lost a ton of money. When bank after bank after bank closed. Where was the Federal Reserve for them at that time? Wasn't the Fed supposed to be the lender of last resort? Huh? That is, you know, when a troubled bank could find no other bank to lend it money, it could turn to the Fed. That's that's what, you know, they thought, right? The Fed would often lend money lend the money a bank needed to get through its crisis. And that is the way the system was intended to work. And during the years of the Great Depression, however, the Fed did not do this. And many believe the economic woes of the Great Depression were made considerably worse because the Federal Reserve's inaction. And when you look back at the entire decade of the 1930s, economists suggested two reasons why the Fed did not act. First, the first reason was it appeared that Fed officials believe that failing banks were poorly managed and should be allowed to disappear. I can agree with that. And this was a common perception of the day in all areas of business. And the problem was letting this happen in the banking industry was that if one or two bank failures in an area could cause depositors to wonder if their own bank might also be in trouble. So for every two banks that failed, perhaps 50 were in good shape. But, you know, the public couldn't tell which banks were in trouble and which ones were not. And so depositors would start withdrawing their money. Sometimes enough people did did this and it would basically cause a run on the banks and, and the majority of depositors attempting to withdraw their money at the same time. And so since banks loaned out money, no bank kept enough cash on hand to satisfy all the customers at once. Go to your bank right now. Try to take out $10,000 right now. I mean, if you have $10,000, if you only have like 200 bucks, they're going to look at you like you're retarded. But if you have like 80 grand in your accounts between your savings, checkings and whatever, and you, you go there to just withdraw 10 grand because you want to go buy a car, right? Cash. They're going to be like, well, no, we're going to have to put in an order for it. And you have to wait seven days for it. Otherwise, we can cut you a check right now. No, I want cash. Sorry, sir. You're going to have to wait seven days for that. We have to order your money. What? You have to order my money. You have to order my money. I got to order my money like a pizza. The second thing was that economists suggested that Fed officials were, were bowing to the wishes of big bank owners. Like the JP Morgan Chase's, right? U.S. Bank, Bank of America, right? And the majority of failing banks were in small towns and rural areas. So big city banks did not like the competition of the many small banks. And so these big city bankers were actually happy to see these small banks go out of business and pressured the Fed to do nothing to save the troubled banks. Wouldn't surprise me. And so banking centered on monitoring on maintaining financial stability between 1935 and 1970 by adhering the provisions set forth in the Banking Act of 1933, which is the Glass-Steagall Act. And in addition to the FDIC, the Act prohibited interest payments on checking accounts and allowed the Federal Reserve to limit the interest paid on savings accounts in both it both enabled banks to quit warring over higher rates to attract customers, saving them from paying interest rates that they couldn't afford. And further, that depression spawned the Glass-Steagall, 
also separated commercial banks from stock brokerages. Now, although it was widely viewed as a major you know, cause of bank failure in the 1930s, historians have since shown losses on securities played a very minor role in the failures, and only 7.2% or 15 out of the 207 national banks that actively dealt in securities failed. So this percentage is actually far smaller than the percentage of failed national banks that did not conduct both commercial and investing bank investment banking. The failures, 90% of them were which were in uh, rural rural banks in rural areas and they were overwhelmingly caused because small unit banks that had too little capital concentrated loans in the depressed agriculture sector. And so their loan portfolios had very little diversification. But nevertheless, commercial banking activities and securities investment remained divorced. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that occurred between the 30s and going up to, you know, the 80s and, and what we're seeing now. See, in the 0708 banking crisis, the federal government, don't know why they thought it was okay for them to do that, took our tax money to bail out these banks, as well as a couple automakers. But now we got this thing called the bank bail-in, which people don't even realize. And if you're part of a big bank, I'd suggest taking your money and going to a small localized credit union. Because I'm telling you, this is only going to continue to get worse. And not only that, not only would I your money away from the big banks, I would actually keep a good portion of it in your own possession as well as convert some of those Federal Reserve notes, which again, they're debt instruments into silver. Now, let me keep, let me make sure I put this out there. Just like I said at the beginning, I am not a priest or ordained minister or, or biblical scholar when it comes to the Bible. Okay, there's that. Also remember, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV and I'm also not an investment advisor. Just so I put that out there. So I'm clean and clear. Everything I'm saying is just opinion and my own thoughts, just FYI. So get your money away from the big banks. Get into a smaller credit union. Even Dave Ramsey says this on his public radio channel, which is nationally syndicated. Get some cash in your own possession and convert some of that cash into some actual money, which is gold and silver, particularly silver. You do not want to be caught with your pants down. And I'm not trying to be funny here, folks. You do not want to be caught with your pants down. Because it's going to really suck when it all comes crashing down and you're not sufficiently prepared, even a little bit. So, I know I kind of went all over the place in this show. It's kind of a... Kind of a hodgepodge show, but it also, I'll be honest with you, I was slightly distracted with the constant, you know, the music playing on and off at the, you know, beginning of this, of this channel, you know, at the beginning of, you know, for my intro. Um, Zero Michigan was asking how bank, I don't know. I mean, Charles Schwab is a pretty big name. So my guess, and this is a guess would be, it's no different than a JP Morgan Chase or anything like that. But again, that's my guess. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is take it to prayer, take it to the professionals who know what's actually going on, not somebody that's trying to make a buck off your investment portfolio. 
someone who's truly going to be a, you know, a fiduciary, right? Um, someone who's got your best interest at heart. See, you got to have somebody who has got a heart of a teacher, not somebody that's got their own pockets at, you know, in on their mind. Yeah, I'm with you, Rita. I mistrust a lot of big names now too. Absolutely. A lot of them have deceived us. So you got to take it to prayer. I wish I had all the answers for you guys. I really do. But remember, I am just a voice that sits behind a semi-truck 12 hours a day. Verify things that I even say here on the show. Take everything that I say. Do your own homework. And I know some of you don't have the time because life and family and kids, I get it, and work. It's tough. It's a tough climate out there nowadays. I get it. I really do. And I sympathize with it. But it is important that you vet everything. You have to be your own advocate because nobody's going to look after you for you. You have to look after yourself. And as much as I want to give you guys all the answers, I'm still seeking out answers myself. I really am. And when I think I have certain things figured out, it turns out, boom, it's like, damn, how'd I miss that? And then I have to go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, let's look at this again. We're going to figure all this out together one way or another. Now, I know on a whole different subject, I know a lot of you uh, reached out to me um, regarding a show that Scott did, the Bended Knee Show. And I'm not going to say much on that. Okay? I'm not going to say much on that at all. And here's why. One... I still respect the guy's voice. I think he does an outstanding job as a podcaster. I think he's a good, you know, he, he does good work. I'm going to try to reach out to him one more time. I never did email him. I, I, I was actually was on his chat earlier on his live podcast earlier, trying to um, tell him about the National Assembly and to... Uh, maybe look a little further before he starts getting involved in the state national stuff. Cause remember guys, the state national nonsense, that's a corporate made noun that falls under the U S code. That is not part of common law. That has never been part of our founding documents. It's not in the constitution. It's anywhere in the fundamental orders of 1638 or the Magna Carta or, or, or any of that. A state national is not a thing. It's a made-up noun by the corporation that's used to fool and trick pe people into basically renouncing their, you know, their 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 American. Um, I'm trying to use my words properly, but basically, what they're doing is they're tricking people into, you know, renouncing this country as their their home country, as you know, as being a natural American. You know, you you are an American national by birthright. You shouldn't have to change your status from a citizen to something else because in order to become a citizen, you need to take the uh, help me out, Destry. What's that called? There's a, you know the test, you know the um, that people when they come from another country to move to America to 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 become an American citizen. What they're trying to do is they're trying to stop the lawful participation with the assemblies. Yes, naturalization. There's that word natural again. The immigration and natural, you know, the, yep, the, the immigration and naturalization test. That's exactly, so you're not a, unless you took that test, you're not a citizen, guys. 
You are an American national by birthright. And so I'm going to try one more time to reach out to Scott on Bards FM. I'm going to try one more time. But, you know, I was met with the same resistance that I met with. Excuse me, Destry was saying, no, not American national. Correct me. What What is it, Destry? What, what are we by birthright? I want to make sure I get the verbiage correctly. National did not exist. Okay. So basically, you're just you're just an American by birthright. That's it. Okay. Thank you. So I love 86, all that national crap. I, I, I misspoke there. But you are an American by birthright. There's no such thing as a national period. No such thing as a national in anything. Not a state national, an American national, not anything. You are an American by birthright. I'm going to say that one more time. You are an American by birthright. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to confuse you guys, but that's that's what you are. You did not take a test to become a citizen. So therefore, there's no reason for you to change your status. It's a trap. You know, I was on his chat, and I'm going to close this out pretty shortly here because I don't want it to keep going on. But here's the thing, you know, like, you know, like, well, Destry just said right here, as more knowledge is uncovered, you know, we, we will end up learning more and there's more that's coming out. I just, we can't talk about it right now because we need verification. We need receipts on some of these things, but when we get the receipts and we can verify it, we will present it here. But, you know, I was on his chat earlier and I, and I said to him, I said, at Bards FM, I said, I implore you to really research and explore the lawful National Assembly. And then I gave the website, www.national-assembly.net. I said, it's the only way to restore the Republic. State National is a corporate-made noun in the form of the U.S. Code in 1887. Please, I hope you reach out to me on this. I can give you the proper people and chan- or the proper channels to get more information so you can look it up yourself and vet it. Pretty, it's pretty simple, right? He said at his hard line, you sent me an email, which I didn't, with nothing. Just don't do it. I don't waste my time on that. And then I said, I haven't sent you any emails yet. And he says, his hard line, there are 15 million state nationals in the country. You saying they are all fooled and wrong. I won't buy it. And then I said, sir. You know better than anyone else that Satan is very deceptive and there is a concerted effort to subvert the lawful process of assembling our three quarters of our states. Explain to me how status correcting restores a republic. It does not. I apologize if you guys were disappointed in what he was talking about. Because I know a lot of you trust Scott on his show. And he does present well. He's got good information. He tells good stories. He brings up good information. He brings up good topics. Actually, quite frankly, I enjoy his shows. I really do. If I can be completely 100% honest, I enjoy his shows a lot. He's the one voice I enjoy listening to the most, to be quite honest with you. 
But I'm going to try one more time to reach out to him, hopefully pray that he's receptive and that he can maybe talk to Destry or, you know, someone, Paul, someone that has a lot more knowledge than myself, because I don't think I would be the perfect man to, to, you know, to talk with him. He needs to hear someone that actually has more information, more knowledge, and has actually lived the experience. So don't be discouraged yet. I don't think, you know, hopefully he doesn't have any ill will or intentions of, you know, subverting the restoration process of a republic. I'd hate to think that he would, but we're going to assume the best right now and just, you know, um, we're just going to just assume right now he's just got bad information at the moment. Okay. So let's, let's say prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this time together. I appreciate this community. I appreciate this platform. And even through all the challenges and the hiccups that we have with Podbean, we are still able to get this message out. And I appreciate that. So thank you for that. We pray for those that are having issues in their marriage and those that are having issues, you know, just in their personal life. We pray that, you know, we can rebuke Satan out of these marriages and out of these families and, and rebuke Satan to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and send him back to hell where he belongs. And he needs to stop destroying these families because these families, a strong family creates a strong nation and they know that. And so we pray for truth. We pray for discernment. We ask that you end up being a light for us to help us figure out what's real and what's BS. And we ask for an extra, you know, revamping of our armor. We need it. And Father, we just pray that, uh, you know, we just pray that we we have it right. We pray that even if there's certain aspects of, you know, of what we're doing, possibly not being right, we pray that you correct us. Because we're only human. We can't do it. But here's one thing we do know. We can't do it without you. We cannot do it without you. And so, Heavenly Father, let our actions and our thoughts and our words and everything that we do let everything that we do be in alignment and in synchronicity to your great divine plan and we pray all this in your holy son's name jesus christ amen and so that's all i got for you today i do again apologize for the you know the hiccups you know during the intro and all this other stuff but you know hey such is life we'll get past it so so anyway remember keep firm Remain steadfast and don't compromise because we are uncompromising. We don't compromise with the enemy. We don't negotiate with terrorists or despotic tyrants and socialistic communists. We don't know. Hold the line. We are about four things here at His Hard Line. God first, wellness second, because we have to keep up the body temple given to us by God, family third, and country fourth. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back here tomorrow. And you have a good night or day wherever you're at in the world. God bless. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. Three watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. 
It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in here at His Heart Line. Really appreciate you. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family. Just copy the link, shoot it via text. You could share it on social media. I don't care if you got to put it up in smoke signals. Just get it out there. And don't forget to check out the website, www.hisharline.com. And join us here every single day. We operate six out of the seven days a week. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget, don't forget. sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, Sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. We'll see you back here next time.